Hey, good morning. My name is Kelty, and I have two jobs this morning. Uh, the first job is to remind you about the community lunch. You may have seen it if you were watching before the service started on the, um, the there. There we go, right there. You'll see it right there. Um, right after the service today, we are getting together in the social hall to have a lunch. Uh, there were a number of people who RSVP'd. If you did not, do not worry. We still want you to come. This is an opportunity for us to see people we haven't seen in a long time, see people we saw just last week, um, and chat a little bit more about what's going on in your lives, what's happening. So please come down there. That said, I feel a little bit like my mom, who, um, unless there's a lot of leftovers, is convinced there's not enough food. And so what I would say is, given that there's possibly a slight imbalance between um, the number of people who are SVP'd and the number of people that we want to be there, have a little grace um, as we sort of figure out what the lunch looks like and those kinds of things. I'm confident there's more than enough, um, but that little niggling voice of my mom is like, there's not going to be leftovers. And so please join us, though. Do not think of that as a reason not to. Please wander down after the service, um, and let's get together and have a good chat. The other part of my job here this morning is to talk a little bit about charitable giving, which is how we support the church. One of the ways that you can do that is through preauthorized giving. And what that does is it is a sort of set it and forget it. Um, it allows you to go in, check the number, you know, put in an indication of how much you'd like to donate to the church on a monthly basis. And then once a month, that just hits your credit card. From the church perspective, we love that because it allows us to have a good understanding of what our budget looks like for the year, and it makes it much easier to plan. From your perspective, you can set it and forget it and know that you're supporting the great work of this organization um, every single month. One of the tricks with setting and forgetting it is you do tend to forget it um, and only usually go back in and look when something in your life has changed where you have to change that number on downwards, which is totally fine. Um, that happens, and we are completely supportive of that. For those folks who haven't looked in a long time and maybe don't have those circumstances, I might challenge you to go in and see what you are giving um, and see if that still is the number. If there is sometimes, I know for myself, I can let it sit there for a year or two years and not actually go back and take a look when I could actually donate more. And so, you know, September for me is kind of one of those times where I start to look at, it's sort of the refresh. January is not a refresh for me. It's September and it's hard coded from school. And so I usually do those things in September. So would give you the same challenge to maybe take a look at where your preauthorized giving might be. Um, in any event, there's three ways that you can give to the church through the preauthorized giving. You can do the app, which is a one-time donation, or there's a black box at the back of the church if you're old school and like to put it in an envelope and pop it in there. Have a wonderful morning. We hope to see you on the other end at the community lunch in just about an hour. Thank you. Thank you, Kelty. And good morning, everyone. And good morning, everyone. Okay, great. Happy you're having a great morning. And so overwhelming with your response. All right, now let me just grab a chair. I'm Jeff. If you're here for the first time, really uh, welcome. Welcome along with all our regulars. Uh, we're seeing some faces we haven't seen. Hey, it's, it's been a road, been a wild road. Many of us have been on. All of us have been in our own way over the last couple years. It's good to see the community snapping back. We're going to have a good time a little bit later. Hey, um, I want to begin just talking about something that happened. It was, um, I think, it was just before last weekend. It was like a Thursday night. Uh, I got a text from one of our boys. It was a group text. 
If you, if you come from a family, chances are you have group texts that are always going on, maybe WhatsApp groups, whatever. And anyways, with our three boys and Kathy and I, the texts are always flying. My one son says, hey, guys, idea. What do you say this Saturday night? We have a barbecue. Let's, let's throw up a big barbecue. Let's, let's, uh, let's bring in some steaks. We'll do that up. And then what do you say we go downtown? And he had this whole idea. He's like, man, Inglewood, let's go down there. They got the market down there. We could maybe just walk around. And then let's hit up the blues can. We'll listen to some great music, have some drinks. We'll just have a good time. I could tell, you know, I'm reading this text. And I could tell his enthusiasm is just off the charts. He's so excited. He's like, what do you say? And I was like, it was Thursday night. It had been a long week. You know where I'm going with this? It's like, and I'm looking ahead to the weekend, and I'm thinking about a number of different moving parts. We were thinking about doing the, the band was needing to rehearse down here on Saturday night. I was thinking about Sunday morning. Well, let's just say my text wasn't that excited. <laughs> I, in fact, I said, you know what? Oz, I think I might be out on this one. Something inside me was just like, ah, he doesn't send off many texts that sound like that. His plan was so well thought out. But man, my weekend is busy. Oh, I'd love just a night I didn't go. Some of them went down. And it was the next day when I was chatting with them and they began telling me how good Blues Can was and the fun they had. Something inside me was like, really, Jeff? couldn't pull that one off. You know what I mean? There's these little moments that happen, aren't they? Sometimes it's a little thing to go and do something with someone or to be a part of something. Maybe it's a favor someone's asking. Maybe it's just a little random thing. And it's always in the moment it just feels inconvenient little irritating, maybe just, I don't know, I just don't feel like doing it. It's only after that you maybe look at and you go, maybe your kid wanted to show you something or wanted to tell you a story about his day or her day. Maybe your partner says, hey, what do you say we go for a walk tonight? It's like, maybe you get reminded about a friend who's going through a rough patch or a family member, and you're thinking, I should call them and check in. But I love the show. Not right now. Hey, 
Maybe you remember a promise that you made to someone to do something, and you're going, oh. You know, it's like you got the window. You got this little window where you, you could see it happening. But boy, in that moment, it's like the gravitational pull away from whatever that thing was just feels so strong. Are there moments that come to your mind where it's just like, you just kind of, mm. So we find ways to hit the snooze button, huh? Like I feel the ugly feeling the next day, or sometimes it's that night. Sometimes it's after my, my golf is over on TV or the show is done. And I look over and go, we're, Where's Kath? She was telling me a story. Kath, what was that you were saying? And you get the nothing. And that pang, you just go, ah. But I found, I don't know about you, but I found there's a little way to get rid of that pang. Some would just call it procrastination. <laughs> you just kind of say, next time. That's what I tell my boys often. Hey, next time you're doing this, I'm in. Kath, I'm sorry. Hey, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, anyways, uh, I will be much more attentive. Next time when you tell me you need a story, to, uh, I'll be there. Next week, I am going to call so-and-so. I can, and in a moment, as soon as I use some of those kind of languages, I say, okay, just postpone. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just later. It kind of lifts. I'm like, I feel like I'm okay now. Hey, there'll be more. (laughs) That chance will come around again. We're good. Maybe next month. Maybe next month. What do you say? Yeah, okay. Okay, good, good. Yeah, we got to get together. I'm sorry. uh, We'll we'll get together sometime, hey? Yeah, okay. If I was really honest with myself, though, I can look back at the number of those little inconveniences that I have paused, that I've snoozed on. and never returned. I just let him go. Here's the fascinating thing as I've been thinking about these little moments. These little pesky assignments that we can push off so easily. It's actually in these little moments, these little pesky assignments, that often meaning is sparked. That some kind of meaningfulness in life emanates from. Have you ever noticed that? You know, in my line of work, I do a lot of funerals. I end up leading people through saying goodbye again and again. You know what I've noticed? The funeral tributes that get told 
are seemingly always about the pesky little assignments that that person that passed away either did or maybe forgot, never had time for. Most often, the tributes get told of the times when that person was there. The times when that person just stopped everything they were in the middle of doing, the stress, the pressure, whatever, to just pay attention. And often it's a kid that's telling the story. My mom, she always had a way. We'd come home from school and she would just say, so? And she would make our story feel like the most important thing on earth. My dad, he had a way of just dropping everything and running and fixing something that was broken. He'd be in the middle of, and he would say, stop, no, wait, honey, what do you need? You okay? These are the kind of stories that get told. The times when someone would just call up out of the blue and say, hey, you okay? Or they'd be in the middle of a big commotion, activity or whatever, and they would notice something in the way someone was looking. They'd go, hey, a second. Come here. You all right? And people 25 years later would tell that story. And they say, I still remember what that person did for me. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Those pesky little assignments. And yet, all the things that I am running to do, wanting to do instead of that stuff, I never remember. <laughs> like... The golf game was amazing that I was watching, but after it was done, it was like, "Eh, why did that guy have to win? Jeez. Anyways, on, word. You know what I'm talking about? That thing at work, that assignment that needed to get done, that all this stuff that we're busy doing, saying, not now, I am busy. In retrospect, never gets brought up in the funeral. But we push this stuff off. We go, ah, there'll be more, there'll be more, there'll be more, more opportunities. And then every now and then you get a a little wake up call, a moment. I was in Kelowna this summer and I got one of them. Kathy and I just spent a week with some friends. We had the time of our lives. It was the last full day of the, of the trip. We went downtown for breakfast. And then afterwards, I mean, it was just a gorgeous day. We're walking down along the boardwalk. And my phone rings. And... It's a friend of ours from here. I'm thinking, huh, she must not know we're on vacation. I pick it up and she's crying. 
going, are you all right? What's going on? And she's sobbing. The kind of sob that just makes your heart stop, you know. And I, I, I want to say, what's the matter? What happened? But I'm not sure. I want to know. She could barely get the words out. She told me her son had died that night, the night before. She said it and then just lost it. I'm just like, Ah. my mind couldn't compute 23 years old freak accident had just graduated engineering was going back for his masters the kid was the most amazing kid in the prime of his life I'm Kathy's looking at me going what I'm just like She's like, what? I didn't even know how to put it into words to look at her and tell her that, no, I was gone. Now, I know there was a number of different things going on there. Number one, Kathy and her were pregnant. I mean, at the same time, we have two, we have a 23-year-old. There was just way too much swing close to him. We are broken for, for this family. We can't even imagine. In that moment, I'm just looking at her, and, like trying to imagine. And it, you know, in that moment, when you got you got kids in the same category, man, the empathy is off the charts. You just go there in a heartbeat. And every parent in this room knows what I'm talking about. But in a moment. life just feels this short. It's like, for a moment there, I just felt like, like I haven't had many people in my life close to me die. It just feels like the average age span just keeps getting longer and longer. Is it just me? It's like every time I turn around, oh man, we're going to 105 now. You know, it's just like they're finding all these different things. We're going to be around here a long time. We're going to be sick of everyone by the time we're gone. And then a moment like this happens. And especially to someone young like that. It's just like... (sighs) There's these moments where it's just like life becomes so unstable, unpredictable. Everything once was so safe, now all of a sudden it's just like there are no guarantees. And all those moments that you were counting on having, this long life that I was, you know, we always talk about what life could look like with our kids and their kids and the holidays that we could have all together and, the, and on and on, all those different things, all of a sudden just goes, not so sure. Remember at one point, this mom, she just says, she's not coming home to me tonight. Ah. 
we think there are these endless opportunities for these pesky little assignments and opportunities, but in reality, it's like, we'd be wise to realize there is so little guarantee. There's an ancient Jewish wisdom tradition, thousands of years old, a tradition that really addresses these realities in life. You know, like, there's, there's one wisdom tradition uh, coming out of the book of Proverbs that is just kind of so, hey, here's how it works. Pretty conventional. You, if you work hard early, like the ants, you work hard, and then you'll be rewarded later. You take care of yourself. You know what? It, good comes later. You treat people kind of, oh, good things happen. It's kind of like an A plus B equals C. It's a causality style of wisdom that says, man, if you just play your cards right, here's the formula for success. And a much of, you know, you save early when you're young. You can retire young. You can have always enough money for the emergencies. It's just, it's smart wisdom. It's conventional, but it's built on formulas. But then all of a sudden in life, something crazy happens. The phone rings, and then you realize that some of those formulas don't necessarily apply to everyone. And that's what's destabilizing, right? But there's another ancient wisdom tradition that speaks to this reality. And rather than these big success posters that hang on the walls, hey, if you just, if you just, here's where you got coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this wisdom tradition comes from a completely different angle. <laughs> it's a dark angle. In fact, let me tell you how it starts, man. This, this poet who wrote Ecclesiastes, he starts off, first line of this ancient wisdom tradition says, everything is meaningless. <laughs> everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. He goes on, he says, in this life, that's, that's the Lord. Calling everyone to pay attention to my words. <laughs> we'll just make sure everyone's listening while this happens. <laughs> That's okay, Beth. So, he starts off saying everything is meaningless, completely meaningless, and then he goes on, he says, in this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked. Wicked people are often treated as though they were good. It's like he says, I've seen innocent good people die young. I've seen horrible people live long, enjoyable lives. It's almost like the author is saying, if you, if you think there's some kind of correlation between how good you are and how long you live, you might be sadly disappointed. Don't trust the formulas perhaps you've been grown up with. You think there's some kind of guarantee you'll have a long life loaded with special opportunities? The author here is saying, there are no guarantees. I know you love that poster on the wall. It's not telling the full truth. For some, that is absolutely a lie. If you read through Ecclesiastes, you'll notice he uses the word meaningless a lot, which is really depressing. <laughs> it's just like, it's all, it's all meaningless. 
I've gotten this, I've gotten that. That's meaningless. It's so depressing that I hate even reading Ecclesiastes. Like, I, I got enough negativity in my life. Huh? You're probably sitting here this morning saying, Jarvis, <laughs> you could stop right there. I was having a great morning. That was until I learned this word meaningless in the Hebrew. The language that this was actually written in, the book of Ecclesiastes. That word meaningless translates to the, to the Hebrew word hevel. You know what hevel means? It means vapor, mist. The author is saying, perhaps, I've watched it all, and here's what I'm realizing. Life is like this. You're here today, and you're gone. It comes meaningless, mist, vapor. It's over. He says it's all vapor. Good times. Bad times. Comes and it goes. You arrive, you're here one day, then they're gone. Is that supposed to be less depressing? I know someone's saying, ah, just wait a second. I thought you were leading somewhere good here. <laughs> what <are> you? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad to think that our lives are like a blip like that, isn't it? Here and gone. Creates that kind of ugly feeling. I don't think we want to look at how quickly life goes, how our mortality, like mortality is an ugly feeling, isn't it? We don't like to look at it. That's why the anti-aging world is like billions and billions of dollars. People are saying, don't, don't let me, don't let me get old. I don't want to feel like I'm old. I've often wondered if perhaps even this is why religions have focused so heavily on the promises of an afterlife. Heaven. Paradise. In Islam, it's jhana. Buddhism, it's samsara. Valhalla, you could go on and on. They all have their visions of what might lie beyond this life. And in some ways, I grew up with a strong belief in heaven. And to be honest, I still want to believe something exists on the other side. But I'm telling you, Ecclesiastes says, here and now, if I was really honest, I think sometimes all the talk of heaven in my religious world growing up kind of made time feel like no big deal because we got all, of, all we're going to need. If it's not today, it's tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, well, it's, we got an eternity to make all these things up. We just pick up where we left off, and what ends up happening is these little moments, they, they become very insignificant. 
Now, I don't know if there's a heaven. I, I want to believe that, but I haven't found one person that sat on the other side and went, oh, yeah, they're telling the truth. It's there. I've never talked to anyone. Like, hey, I hear stories. Oh, yeah, and they make movies and stuff. I've never talked to anyone that can prove without a shadow of a doubt what exactly lies on the other side. And I feel like the, the poet in Ecclesiastes is saying, we have no guarantee of what goes down on all sides. What we are guaranteed of is we got this right here. Yeah, no one likes to talk about death or mortality. It's interesting though. BBC ran an article in a little country known as Bhutan. Have you heard of Bhutan? Located in Southern Asia, between China and India. The whole article was about this little country known as the happiest people on earth. And you'd wonder why. You'd think, man, these guys must have great social system. They must, they must have a high, high you know, uh, what am I wanting to say? Standard of living. Thank you. Standard of living. Man, they must, they must have clean water. They must have flushing toilets. They, I bet... They got in-floor heating in those places, and they got car warmers in their cars. Uh, Like, that must be it, right? There's an author that studied their culture to figure out why on the index these people seem so happy when compared to all the nations of the world. She came back and concluded that the people of Bataan culturally are encouraged to think about death at least five times a day. This is a practice in their culture. She, in this art, it's, it's amazing. It's, it, and, and they don't sugarcoat death. There's images of death, even gruesome images. Oh, they don't hide the kids from it. They don't try to close the kids' eyes. Oh, you know, we're not talking about, oh, we don't want to disturb them. Oh my God, they might have nightmares. No. No, they talk about death all the time. The uh, the article has a quote by the author who wrote this thing. She said, I realize thinking about death doesn't actually depress me. It actually makes me seize the moment, see things that I might not ordinarily see. I thought that's so interesting. I see things I wouldn't normally see. When you stare at mortality, life takes on a completely different look, doesn't it? And every one of you knows it. When you've watched a life get cut short, some of you in pandemic, you lost faces. You, you lost people in your lives you never thought you would lose, nor that quick. And when you look at that, all of a sudden, it's like everything that is important about life becomes really pronounced. And everything you thought was important just prior to these moments, to the phone calls, looked so different. It's like all of a sudden you shine a black light in a room and you see everything white popping out. It's, that's what these things do. That's what staring at death does. It says, wake up. You lost your way a bit here. There's a moment right here you would give your right arm to have back when that phone rings. I can tell you as a, as a dad, the number of times I remember sitting there changing a diaper, going, oh my God, one day this life sentence will be over. 
I remember looking across the street. This guy was like about 10 years older than me. He had kids too. But he was always that next chapter. And I was always looking at him going, oh, man, that guy doesn't have to sit on the sidelines of that soccer game and freeze his ass off. And uh, his kids are old enough now. I'm just like, get down here and get your homework done. The number of moments I hated as a dad wishing them away. And when that phone rang, and that 23-year-old kid I realized wasn't coming back, all those moments come alive. And I go, how dare you, Jarvis, wish those away? Poet goes on, he says, I've seen another evil under the sun. And it weighs heavily on humankind. God gives some people wealth, he gives them possessions, he gives them honor. They lack nothing their hearts desire. But God doesn't grant them the ability to enjoy them. Instead, strangers enjoy them. This seems like a meaningless, grievous evil. Now, I know you can get tripped up by the... You know, the author using God in it, saying God's doing this. I think really what the poet is saying is, I'll tell you what's horrible in life. It's to be surrounded by goodness, but unable to access it or enjoy it. It's to be surrounded by these interruptions that are loaded with meaning, but not able to recognize them until the phone It's in these mortality and death moments that we often see what we couldn't see. That's a curse. It doesn't have to be there. I think Ecclesiastes was kind of a tradition that was designed to go, wake up, wake up, please, 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 please. There's moments right here. You're missing them. You're missing them. The phone is going to ring and you're going to wish you saw them. You're going to wish you saw them. You're complaining about what your dad is talking about right now. Oh, this conspiracy. And you're hating that. You're, oh, you just, you're going to wish you had just listened. And you had grabbed on him. Whispered in his ear, I love you. I think the wisdom tradition of Ecclesiastes is saying, it is, and, you're, and it's gone. What the hell were you doing? Golf wasn't ever that great, Jarvis. <laughs> I am not trying to emphasize what Vince said last week, all right? I'm just... <laughs> yeah, I guess he had to be there to know what I'm talking about, man. He was taking a shot at God's game, and I didn't appreciate it, okay? I want to close up this morning. Alessandra wrote a song as we chatted about what this message was about and just even this series, The Search for a Meaningful Life. Because I'm telling you, it's, it's ironic to me. No, it's not. Not when you understand this concept, but we have been holed up, isolated 
for two and a half years. Many of us have lived in a silo where we have been able to remove all the inconveniences that we once had. We don't have to worry about traffic. We don't have to worry about the company Christmas party. No, we got the out, right? Ah, we can't even go over and and help our friends because, well, you know, the guidelines. We have lived without interruptions and all the pesky assignments. And I don't know if there's ever been a time in all my years as a pastor, over 30 years, that I've heard people trying to figure out why the hell they should get out of bed in the morning. Like now. I'm not talking this morning out of my butt about this thing. This is as real as it gets. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just going, I'm reaching right now. I'm mustering up energy to get out of bed because just everything seems a little broken. The formulas aren't working. Alexander wrote this song and I just thought it was a perfect way to end it. I'll come back and close it up. I think you'll enjoy this. That was, what a gift we have in these musicians and singers and songwriters. Isn't this amazing? Just amazing. So grateful. Actually, too late for the party. You're going to be playing uh, some, a little bit of a set over at the community lunch, so you won't want to miss that. Let me, let me just close here by saying, let me ask you a question. What would life look like? What would life look like if we could just continually remind ourselves to turn the black light on and to look at these pesky little assignments in a different way? What would it look like if we just reminded ourselves of our mortality on a regular basis? What if we did remind ourselves life is vapor? It's coming and it's going. All I got is this moment right now. I know there's going to be some people in here saying, oh, Jeff, what are you saying? Self-care. I I need my time. I don't need to be saying yes to everything. I get it. All I'm saying is don't overplay that card. Some of you tired parents, yeah, I get it. Some of you business people and small business owners and people that are running ragged, yeah, in the middle of it, sometimes you have good reasons to slow down or to just turn off or unplug. I'm just saying don't overplay that card because there are moments in the middle of all of this that I'm telling you, you give your right arm to have back. We've got an opportunity. We are, the, the present moment right now is pregnant with opportunities for meaning. And I'm just asking you to just... Pay attention to it this week. Step in. Stop. Before you say no, before you say, ah, next time, before you say, you know what, we'll have to... No, it's just say, when are we going to do that? Let's get a date on the calendar. I may not be able to do it this Saturday, but could we do it next Saturday? That's all I got. I hope, I hope this week you will spot that pesky little assignment and you'll just treat it differently than maybe you have last week. And that in the middle of it, meaning, a meaningful life will start boiling up. Oh, and I, here's the golden thing. It's not just for you. You watch the meaningful life come alive in those around you when you start capitalizing on those moments. That's my prayer for you today. In fact, I, I want to pray.
And uh, let me just say before I do this, the way I use prayer is, see, I believe there's, there's something, an energy, something out there that wants me to succeed. That's just my belief. I can never prove that. But I believe this force, life force, spirit, energy is guiding me. It's capable of nudging me at times in my life, helping me. So when I pray, I'm not saying, hey, would you mind making the meaningful life happen? It's not that kind of prayer. Here's how it sounds, God. Life force, energy, the more than. I know you know what I'm talking about today. Help me to see these things. Poke me hard. I I, I don't want to miss them. Guide me. Set off the alarms when I'm falling into that pattern again. I want to get this right. Amen. I pray that for everyone here. Yeah. Okay. We're done. Why don't we go and eat? Huh? Thank you, everyone, for coming this morning. Hey, um, just, just before you leave. So this week was about these pesky assignments that if we capitalize on them right, will bring incredible meaning and help us experience a meaningful life. Next week, I want to talk about the intelligences and the talents and the natural abilities and wirings that you possess. That if you can recognize them and you can see them and you can pour your energy into them, there is a meaningful life to be experienced through that. Next week, we're going to talk about that. That's Oh, yeah, I'm excited about it. All right, you won't want to miss that either, all right? So invite a friend. Come on back next week. We're, we're going to continue searching for the meaningful life. All right, that's it. Let's go.